0: I'd like to invite you to look at your bulletins or go into your Bibles. Uh, today we're going to be studying John chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, this is a little break that we are doing on our series from Galatians uh, for these three weeks. Starting today, following week, we'll continue verses 8, 9 through 14. And the following week, John Park will be with us to preach from verses 15 through 18. And all this as we remember and meditate on the coming, the first coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 8 for today. This is the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not any thing made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that before everything was created, before the foundation of the world, you choose us in Christ to be saved. And we thank you that you send your Lord, our Lord, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ to accomplish this mission. And that today we can communicate with you through our prayers. We can hear your voice through your word. Because you have given us also the Holy Spirit to give us a spiritual light. To give us a spiritual life. We pray, Lord, that as we consider these verses, this afternoon, that you will help us to praise you, to praise our Lord Jesus Christ, and to praise the Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Death and spiritual darkness are two of the greatest consequences experienced by humanity as a result of the fall, as a result of the disobedience of Adam and Eve, death and spiritual life, spiritual darkness, death and spiritual darkness. And death, we can see that all around us. We are all destined to face that one day. Sometimes I've been curious about people who are in the death row, people who are. Um, waiting for that day when they will be executed. And I have uh, listened to interviews of people who are in the death row just to know what is going on in their hearts, and their minds as, as they wait for that moment. But the reality is that we are all in the same place. It's just that human beings, we have accepted this reality as part of our lives. We are born... And one day we will die. But the reality is that when God created Adam and Eve, that was no part of his creation. Death is the consequence of Adam and Eve, our parents, disobeying God's will. But there is no just physical death, but also spiritual death. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we were all dead in our sins and trespasses. no having sensitive to the voice of God. no recognizing and acknowledging God in our lives. And living our lives as if God does not exist. All this because until Jesus Christ comes to our life. Until we are touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. We were all spiritually dead as well. But that results also in spiritual darkness. We are spiritually dead, and because of that, humanity is in spiritual darkness. When you read Romans, men suppress the truth. The truth is evident to everybody. God Is the creator of everything that exists, and you look at his beautiful creation, and you should go and praise God. But men suppress the truth because we are in spiritual darkness. And if you want to see a practical way how the kingdom of God is right now established on earth, just you have to look back before Jesus came into the world. The whole world. ...was immersed in darkness. Only one little nation, the nation of Israel... ...was recognizing that there was a God. And even that light was not that bright. The whole world was in darkness. But Jesus Christ came... ...and he sent his people... ...to spread out the gospel, the good news... ...and light started to pop up everywhere in the world. All the nations... The nations cannot be deceived anymore because the kingdom of God is right now, right here on earth. When when we look at these verses that we read today, we can see that indirectly, John is speaking about these two issues. He's speaking about these two issues by telling us the good news that Christ came to deal with these two problems death, and spiritual darkness. And that's what we will be looking at today in these verses. John is very special in the way he introduces the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mark goes rather quickly to Jesus' mission to tell us what he came to do and how he was doing it. When you read Matthew, he goes as far as Abraham, going back as far to Abraham to tell us that Jesus Christ is coming from that promise given to Abraham. Luke goes as far as Adam and Eve. But John goes back into eternity to tell us where was Jesus before everything was created. I always remember my friend how. An international student who have come to faith in Jesus. And he understood that Jesus Christ died for him, that he was a sinner, that there was a God, that he needed to repent, confess his sin, and trust in Jesus for salvation. But it is only after six months that he understood that, that he had faith in Jesus already. After six months, we are in a Bible study, starting this book, and he said, wait a second. Are you saying that Jesus existed before he was born? That there was a time before creation that he existed? You know, sometimes we take these things for granted. We think that, yeah, everybody should know that. This is so clear because we've been Christians. Some of us have been Christians for some time. And we assume that everybody knows that Jesus existed before creation. But for how, that was And amazing news. So he loved Jesus before that moment, but he praised Jesus that day at that Bible study. So my hope and our hope is that as we consider these verses, today we leave this room. No, we don't have to wait until we leave this room. We can start right now praising Jesus for who he is. So John, the Apostle John, tells us four things about Jesus from these verses. One thing about John the Baptist, and by extension, about us. He tells us four things about our Lord Jesus Christ. One thing about John the Baptist, and by extension, about us as well. So, the first thing that we could find here that he tells us about Jesus is that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He uses two very strategic words in these first two verses. In the beginning and the word. Logos, the word. And we're not going to go into a deep study on these two words because just by doing a deep study in these two words, in the beginning and the word, these strategic words that John is using We could be like here, like two or three more sermons. Just focus on that. And there is a lot written on that. But I just want to give you uh, briefly or respond to you why I'm saying that these words are very strategic. The the way John is using them. When John uses the word, or when he says in the beginning, he is connecting what he's saying here with Genesis. With what is said in the book of Genesis. And the word in the beginning can have two meanings. One of the characteristics of John is that he will uh, use a word that have multiple multiple meanings, or maybe two meanings. And it's not for you to pick one meaning or the other, but actually to pick both of them and see how deep is what he is saying here. So one of the meanings of the word in the beginning is before all else. Before all else. This is in the beginning of history. This is before everything that is created, everything that exists, existed. The second meaning is origin. It's at the root of the universe. It's the origin of everything. Now, James Boyce, our former pastor, one of our former pastors, will put these two combined in this way. There was a manner... There was, sorry, there was never a time when the word Jesus was not. There was never a time when the word, which is Jesus, was not. That's the first meaning before all else. And also there was, second meaning, never a time that did not depend on him. That everything that exists did not depend on him. Now, we are starting with the assumption for you who are new to to the Scriptures and to the Word of God, that the Word, when Paul says in the beginning was the Word, the Word means Jesus. We do that based on what we read in John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh. And from there on, he started to talk about Jesus' ministry. So the word means Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. Jesus was with God. And Jesus was God. But why would John use this word, logos, the word, instead of saying Jesus? And here is where I'm saying that he's using strategic words. The word logos or the word for the Hebrews will be the infallible word of God. That you will see throughout the Old Testament. God created everything that exists by the power of His Word. So, a Hebrew will hear this or read this and understand that John is talking about the power of the Word of God that creates everything, that everything that exists is created by His power, and also that the Word of God is infallible, that is unchangeable. Now, for the Greeks, and there you'll will, you will have to go into a study of how Greeks used the word logos, but i just give you a, a summary of that, and that is that for the Greeks, the word logos meant the divine agent that control all things. The divine agent that control all things. Why did John then use the word logos? It was because... He was speaking to Hebrews and Greeks and to us about our Lord Jesus Christ who fulfilled both things. Think about the moment when Paul goes to Athens and he speaks to the Athenians about the unknown God. He says, about this God I want to speak to you. The same thing John is doing here. In order to make people realize that he's talking about God himself. Now in these verses you see that John is saying that Jesus existed before everything was created. In the beginning was Jesus. Before everything that exists, Jesus was there. Meaning, Jesus is eternal. Jesus has no beginning. In the beginning, you could go in the beginning, in the beginning, go back, 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 in the beginning of everything. Jesus was there because Jesus is eternal. And then, John tells us something that is actually a very simple sentence. And I think the most clearest sentence ever that describes to us the relationship between our Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. But it's clear, but at the same time remains a mystery for human minds. It's this sentence. And the word was with God, and the word was God. That in a sense clarifies not all the parts of the Trinity, because then you have to read more to understand the inclusion of the Holy Spirit, that but explain to you and to us that Jesus is God, that Jesus is divine, but also that Jesus is. With God, meaning with God the Father. Think about this. It's clear for us, but at the same time it becomes a mystery and a source of difficulty. Think about this. In the beginning, or you will say and it was Enrique and Enrique was with Enrique. That doesn't make any sense, right? Because we are talking about God. And what God is doing himself is using John to reveal to us who he is and help us to understand his nature. And there is we we have to humble ourselves and recognize that God is telling us that Jesus is God and Jesus is with God. Period. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. So Jesus, the Son of God, and God the Father were together with the Holy Spirit in the beginning. is before everything created in eternity. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit assisted and have existed for eternity before everything was created. That was what amazed Chao Hao. He said, wait, I knew that Jesus was my savior. I knew that Jesus went to the cross to die for me. I knew that he loved me. I knew that he paid for what I'm not able to pay on the cross. But are you telling me that Jesus is God who took flesh? When we read these two verses, they should send us to praise Jesus. Jesus to worship him, to humble ourselves before him. He is not just a man, he is God. Second, John tells us that Jesus is the life, that Jesus is the life. Will you read with me verses 3 and part of verse 4? All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. In him was life. And again, this is again John using the word in the beginning to help us to see the connection that not just Jesus was before creation with God the Father, being God himself, but he is the creator of everything that exists. That through him everything was created. Remember, God created things through the power of his word. But God also gave the spirit to men, the Ruach. He breathed the spirit to men in order to give life to men. Jesus is that power that creates everything. Now I keep going back to Chauha. Think about this. First I told you that he our Lord Jesus Christ is God. And now I'm telling him, not just that, he is actually the creator. It is not that God created us, and then he find a solution by sending his son to save us, but actually that Jesus also is our creator. But life through Jesus does not refer only to our physical life, which is what we all have experienced since God created human beings, that we have a physical life. But also it refers to the new life that we have in Christ. Remember, the two greatest problems that we face as a result of our sinful nature is death and spiritual darkness. And Jesus is actually the solution for that problem, which is death. He is the hope that one day we will be resurrected and we will have a glorified body. But he is the hope, the present hope today, that all of us who have believed in Jesus for salvation, who have trusted that Jesus is our Savior and that Jesus is God, have experienced new birth. That is what Jesus told Nicodemus. Remember that? We have experienced new life. You were dead. And if you are not yet a Christian, that's your condition. Dead in your sins and trespasses. But if you put your faith in Jesus and trust in Jesus for salvation, you'll have new life in Christ. And new life in Christ means that you will have sensitivity to understand, to feel, to experience God. Because you are no a container of a heart of rock anymore, but you will have a heart of flesh within you. Then Jesus is the life. But third, John tells us also that Jesus is the light. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Remember, man suppress suppresses the truth. Why? Because he's Immersed in darkness. We pray prayers like this that God will open the hearts of the eyes of our hearts. Think about this a heart with two eyes. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our souls being blind, darkness in front of us, unable to recognize that there is a God. Unable to recognize our spiritual condition. Unable to to hear God's judgment. And because all of that walking straight to eternal condemnation. But Jesus brings light to those who believe in him. Why? Because first of all he gives them life. He gives them a spiritual life. And all this happened through the power of the Holy Spirit in the heart of that human. And because of that, he's able to see the spiritual world. He's able to see that God is a spirit, but he is real. That Jesus is our Savior. And that the Holy Spirit is the one who is walking us through this life in sanctification. But again, just... Picture the earth before Christ came. And think about any place where there was some knowledge of God as a light. The whole world, think about this, the whole world was in darkness. All the nations worshipping pagan gods, suppressing the truth that was in front of them because of creation, And Christ came, and here we are, Philadelphia. Look around you, people from many nations. It's a testimony of the light that came into the world. The kingdom of God is right now here. Jesus is the light. Also, Jesus overcomes the darkness. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Tonight, at 6 o'clock, maybe, or 5, it's getting, getting shorter, later at 4, the darkness is going to overcome the light. There is no way around, right? You can turn on the lights inside your house, but as soon as you go out, darkness has overcome it the light. But the darkness could not overcome Jesus' life. Jesus came, and he has many enemies, Satan himself, using all he could to stop Jesus from fulfilling God's word, but he could not overcome the light. Why? Because Jesus is God. Nobody can overcome God. Jesus is the light and darkness cannot overcome the light and that is the same for all of us as believers he broke in to our hearts he came in and he removed darkness and if you are a believer today if you have genuinely believed and trusted in Jesus for salvation today you can have assurance that you will be a believer the day he comes or if you go to be with the Lord why? Because the assurance that does no, not depends on you on your will, but it depends on the power of the Holy Spirit that have given you life and light. Darkness cannot overcome the light in Jesus in you. And fifth, and here John speaks about a man. This man is John the Baptist. And he is a messenger, as you read in verse 6, sent by God. He was sent from God. John didn't choose this profession. I think if he knew what would be the end of his journey on earth, he probably would have not chosen that profession. God sent him, and he sent him to do what? To be a witness or to bear witness to the light like in court he could bear witness of what he have seen and have heard he is not bearing witness about himself if you keep reading through John chapter 1 and keep reading down he, he made sure that everybody understand that he is not the light he is just somebody who is not worthy to untie the sandals of the light he understands his mission his mission is to say look at Jesus Then look at me and just tell I'm just here to tell you look at Jesus and all this for what what was John's mission that all might believe through him through our Lord Jesus Christ that all might believe in Jesus, that all might be saved, receive life and light through the power of Jesus Christ. Verse 8 put it very clear, he was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. John's ministry is unique. He was the last prophet of the Old Testament. He came to bear witness about the promise given to Abraham, about the promise given, given to Ad, Adam and Eve in the proto the first good news given in the Bible. He came to bear witness about that. He came through a miraculous intervention of God intervening in the life of Zachariah and Elizabeth. He was the cousin of Jesus, but he was in the light. He just came to bear witness about the light there might be temptation there might have been temptation in his heart because how important his role was but he said I'm not worthy to remove the sandals of Jesus I'm here just to point you to the light and I said that this is John's ministry that That is a unique ministry, but I think that by extension, it is also our ministry. We are to bear witness about this light as well. And we are to do basically the same. We are to bear witness about Jesus to the world, so that all might believe in Jesus. When we think about this time, this time of the year, when we remember Jesus Christ's first coming, um, we remember uh, through all these beautiful psalms and hymns that we sing together, the Christmas carols. We read scriptures like these, and um, and you you come the 23rd and the 24th to Christmas concerts. All these make us rejoice to know that Jesus, God, came into the world to give us eternal life and to break darkness in our life. So give us the light. But how do we celebrate? We celebrate, I believe, that a good way to celebrate the work of Jesus is by going out and bearing witness about the light to the world. By when you get together with your friends or relatives, family members that don't know Jesus, to bear witness about that light. It is not about you. It is about Jesus. We go out to tell the world that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself, came into the world, took flesh, died for us, to give us eternal life, to give us light. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you had mercy on us, sinners uh, who were dead in our sins and trespasses and who were living in darkness and today are alive and have seen the light just because you have revealed it to us. We thank you for that wonderful blessing that Jesus came, but not just that he came, but he also revealed himself to us through the power of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. We do pray, Lord, for people that we know, people that are not yet your followers. We do, we do pray that you will open the eyes of their hearts that you might reveal yourself to them and that this Christmas will be a real Christmas for them a time where when they will recognize that you are the Lord in Jesus name we pray Amen now we're going to partake together of the Lord's Supper um, every time we come together to take communion. You are coming to be in communion with God. And our Lord Jesus Christ established that these elements, the bread and the wine, will represent or represent His flesh, His body, and His blood. This is a sacrament. This is being set apart by our Lord Jesus Christ To help us remember that he came into the world, that he took flesh, that he went to the cross and he died on the cross. But there is a connection between his death and us, that he died on the cross for us, for our salvation. And if we trust in Jesus for salvation in our union with Christ, we also die with Jesus on the cross. But also we remember that he was raised by God, our Father. And in his resurrection, and in our union with him, by faith, we have been also been raised. In fact, seated already in heavenly places. We have new life in Christ, because Christ was resurrected. But also it's pointing to our future resurrection. It's our hope of glory. That one day whether we die before he comes or we'll see him face to face when he comes, we will be fully transformed, glorified. Every time we partake, we announce his second coming. We announce that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming. Who is welcome to partake? Everybody who have faith in Jesus and has been baptized. If you are not yet sure about your faith, I encourage you not to take these elements and use this time to meditate on the offering that is before you. It's the gospel. That if you trust in Jesus, you will be saved and you will partake of these elements as well. Also, when you partake of the Lord's Supper, you are spiritually nourished by these elements. You are strengthened spiritually. That's a promise that God has given to us. It's a koinonia. It's a participation in the body of Christ and in the blood of Christ. Let me pray. Um, I'll read the word of institution. Dear God, we thank you that you have been merciful to invite us into um, communion with you through these elements. We pray that you prepare our hearts and our minds to take them with faith in Jesus name, in Jesus Christ. We pray, Amen.